Hello, and welcome to the Bible for Worship at St. Paul Lutheran Church on this Sunday of the Transfiguration, the last Sunday in Epiphany, when our Gospel reading is written in the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling bright, such as no one on earth could brighten them. There appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us set up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This season of Epiphany is all about appearances. It's about ways in which it becomes clear who Jesus is, what his presence and God's presence in the world are all about. And so, on the one hand, it's kind of obvious why this passage on the Transfiguration comes on the last Sunday of Epiphany. It actually echoes the story of Jesus' baptism, which was the gospel lesson on the first Sunday of Epiphany. And in both of those stories, the voice comes from heaven to name Jesus as the Son of God. If we want to know who Jesus is and what his presence in the world means, it couldn't get much clearer or more powerful than that. And yet, there's even more here in this story, in the symbols, the figures that appear in it. First of all, we notice that it takes place on a mountain, and that mountain has a cloud overshadow it. The last time that we heard anything about that kind of image was when Israel stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and a cloud overshadowed the mountain. Moses, of course, was there too and went up the mountain and came back down and became the greatest prophet of Israel who brought God's Torah, God's instruction for how Israel was to live in covenant as God's people. And then Mark says that Jesus was transfigured and his clothing became dazzling white beyond anything anyone on earth could achieve. Well, if it couldn't be achieved on earth, then it seems that this must be a view of heaven that Mark is offering us. 
and the very presence with Jesus of Moses and Elijah, some have said perhaps that this represents the law and the prophets of Judaism, Moses representing the law, the Torah, and Elijah representing the prophets. And some even say that by their presence, they indicate that Jesus fulfills all that the law and the prophets had spoken of. But there's more here about Moses and Elijah, because these are also two figures in Israel's life to whom God attended in their deaths. God is said to have buried Moses at the end of Deuteronomy, and yet no one knows to this day where that grave is. It is known only to God. And, of course, Elijah is the one who doesn't even really die. He's taken up into heaven in that chariot. Both of these figures are ones with whom God is present and attentive in death, as we know also was the case with Jesus. The voice from heaven, God's voice, says of Jesus, listen to him exactly what God had set up at Sinai with Moses when the people said, we cannot see God or hear God. You speak to us. And it was to Moses that they listened. As they come down from the mountain in the next scene in Mark chapter 9, the disciples are asking, why do they say Elijah must come first? And it's not first before the Messiah, it's first before the day of the Lord, the culmination of history, when God redeems Israel. And Jesus says to them, indeed, Elijah has come first. And so it is written about the Son of Man, that one after whose rising, he says, they can start to talk. And then in the next story, Mark tells us of Jesus raising the son of a man who had appealed to the disciples who were not able to help the boy. And the boy was like a corpse, Mark says. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he was able to stand. This echoes very closely the story of Elijah in 1 Kings 17 with the widow of Zarephath and her son. So perhaps Moses and Elijah are here not to say Jesus fulfilled everything that we taught and did, but rather perhaps they are here to validate Jesus. Listen to him, the voice says. And what does he say? Well, this whole tale is bracketed by two times when Jesus predicts his passion, that he must go to Jerusalem and be betrayed into human hands who will kill him, and after three days he will rise. Chapter 8, verses 31 to 38, and chapter 9, verses 30 to 37. This is why, coming down the mountain, Mark says that Jesus told them, ordered them 
to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Because without the resurrection, Jesus' death is just another human tragedy. But with the resurrection, it makes sense. It makes sense that the same power of God that was known in the strength of Moses and Elijah is also known in the servanthood and the faithfulness of Jesus. These three, seen together in heaven, talking together about the amazing grace of God that works in strength and that works in weakness and suffering and servanthood, that works on behalf of all. God bless.